Philippians chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 10, a very uh, familiar passage. If you're a church person, you've, you've, you've been here before. If, if you've never been to this text before, um, welcome. I think it's going to be just amazing for you. This is really a life little cluster of verses for me. It's a, it's a little passage that transformed my life. It's, it's really the the word of the Lord God gave me when I was 25 years old and became a youth pastor, now almost 14 years ago, uh, when I was in youth ministry, God gave me these verses um, and told me to help young people follow Jesus using these verses. And so they, they hold a special place in my heart. And I believe they'll be a blessing to you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection and in sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Anybody grateful that God doesn't use perfect people? Amen? Anybody, anybody grateful perfect people don't exist? Ah. If you think you're perfect, you're in the wrong church. And honestly, if you think you're perfect, you're in the wrong faith. Okay, this just this one ain't for you. All right, there's probably a cult out there for you, but this ain't it. Uh, good to meet you. Okay, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you for just a few moments from this simple thought, following Jesus, following Jesus. Uh, last week I talked about how Christ died for you, Christ loves you, Christ rose again for you, and uh, many people place their faith in Christ. Many of you are back, and many of you are already followers of Jesus, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, what's next? I I'm going to church, I'm starting to serve, I'm, I'm being water baptized, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning this new walk with God. I really want to help you with kind of, this is really kind of a part two from last week. And, uh, and I believe it's going to bring a lot of strength to your soul. And I, I just want to say this up front that um, what, what I'm going to share today is not religious theory or theological theory that I learned in a book. <laughs> this, is, this is my life right here. And, uh, and I promise you, I've seen God's transforming work in my own life, and he will transform your life if you'll open your heart to him. In Jesus' name, I'm going to take a good amen from anybody who believes that. Amen. Father, speak now as we go to your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. And amen, amen. Um, religion... The idea of religion, the concept of religion, I talked about it last week, our attempt to get to God. Religion is a burden. It's a burden. Because religion has no power to transform the soul. So what ends up happening in, in the idea of religion is that we do what we want to do, live how we want to live, or at least know what we want and know what we want to do. But then there's this kind of like um, God figure up in the sky somewhere kind of looking at us like. Yeah. 
So God becomes a burden to us because we haven't been transformed. So we do what we want to do, or at least know what we want to do, but it's like, oh, but I guess, oh, I really want to be golfing today, but oh, I better go to church with the family. Oh. <laughs> I really want to be fishing, but oh, my wife's going to, oh. I really wish we were at brunch right now in bottomless mimosas, but oh, I better go to, because oh, God. That is trash. What an awful way to live. So God becomes a burden. Relationship with Christ is a blessing. Yes. Now, by the way, I, don't, I, I love golf. I love fishing. and well, I'm not going to admit anything about mimosas. <laughs> My point is, none of those things are inherently sinful. Okay, well, you do need to find a bottom at some point of the... Amen. Okay, but anyway, let me keep this thing moving, preacher. My point is, my relationship with Christ is not a burden, it's a blessing. Be, here's why. Because he's actually transformed my soul. So he, Jesus changes the want to. I don't have to, I want to. I don't, I don't have to, I can. This is the transforming work of the gospel. We, we sang that song at the beginning of the set. If you, were, if you were here right when service began, come alive. Talked about resurrection power. That's what we believe in. Not that God is, is simply making us better. He's, he's made us new. We are alive in God. Wow. And th this is the journey of following God. It's a blessing. It's, it's not only a blessing to my soul. It's a blessing to my life, to my future, to my family. It's a blessing. I've never met someone who served God their whole life and at the end of their life went, now ah, is this a big waste of time? I've never. People who really know Jesus really love Jesus because to know God is to love God. So here's my first little point today. God can be known. God can be known that I may know him. I want to know him. Now, Paul declares this even though he's now been serving Jesus for decades. Paul is actually writing this under house arrest in prison, penning the words, I want to know Christ, though he's in jail for knowing Christ. How can he say this? He can say this because God is so high and he's so wide and he's so deep. He's the everlasting God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He never began. He never ends. He just is. Therefore, there is a countless well that I can drink of in the knowledge of God. See, I'm not just talking about head knowledge. I'm not just, you could have the whole Bible memorized and still declare, I want to know him. And frankly, you could have the whole Bible memorized and not know him. Because I'm not talking about knowing about God. Now, so we're Americans, right? So we, we, we know stuff about people on such an intimate level of people we'll never know. But we know about them. Some of you have watched every season of the Kardashians. You know everything there is to know about the Kardashians. 
You know everything. And if you saw Kim, you'd go, Kim, 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 Kim. And she would go, <laughs> as her security would attack you. Because you feel like you know her because you know a lot about her, but you don't know her. Sorry. I know. Is that like a total? You're like, oh, I really felt like. She liked one of my tweets one time. I really thought. So I know you. Uh, we say things like this. The Golden Knights win a game and we go, we won. Kind of. I know you bought the jersey, but. See Derek Carr around town. You go, hey, we're going to have a great season. And he goes, yeah, okay. So, so what we do is, is we know about people, but we don't really know them. And if we're not careful, we bring that right into church. And we end up knowing about Jesus. We become a fan, but not a follower. So we end up knowing a lot about him, and we know some verses, and we know some songs, and Hillsong United comes to town, and we go, and Maverick's coming in July, and we go, and favorite preacher comes into town, and we go, and, and we stream, and, but, and we end up knowing a lot about him. We go, we, but we, don't, but we don't know him intimately, and the invitation of heaven is intimacy, not knowledge, intimacy. Listen, I know everything there is to know about Shannon Chavez, everything, everything. I know her favorite color. I know, I know everything about her. 16 years of marriage, five years of dating before that. I've been, I've been with my wife longer than I was without my wife. I've, I, it's been a long time. But just because I have knowledge does not equal intimacy. Because after 16 years of marriage, things can get cold and I can know everything about her and I can cook her, her favorite food and I can bring her her favorite coffee and I, can, and, I can, and I can do all the things that she wants me to do around the house and still not have intimacy because knowledge is good, but knowledge is not the end. Intimacy is the end. And what, so what Paul's calling me into, what Paul's calling us into is to know Christ. This word literally in the Greek language, to know, know Christ, is to learn to know. See, that's a good marriage when, you, when you're still learning. Hey, you're still dating. You're still pursuing. You're still risking. You're still, there's, there's still, there's intimacy. I'm still learning. I told you I loved you before. Well, he knows I love him. Well, no, show it. I'm still learning. You're still a student. It's to know and to be known. It's to understand. So under, understanding grows in God's word, but intimacy grows in obedience. And Paul says two things happen when I know Christ. I experience the fellowship of his sufferings and the resurrection. So knowing Christ... And don't be nervous when I say these things, but knowing Christ leads to suffering and resurrection. Most American Christians never experience either. The fellowship of his sufferings. Let me just say this about suffering. God will not put on you and does not put on his kids what he took on himself on the cross. I need to say that one more time because I don't feel like everyone caught that. God does not put on us what he took on himself on the cross. 
So he took sickness on the cross, by his stripes were healed. He took poverty on the cross, he became poor that we might become rich. And he took sin on the cross. He became a curse for us on the cross. So he doesn't put those on us. Well, I'm struggling with an addiction, but I think God's actually allowing it. For, no, he's not. God didn't give you that addiction. Well, I got cancer, but God's really teaching. No, God, God doesn't give because you, you wouldn't give your kid cancer, and you can't tell me you're better than God. Am I, am I talking right now? Okay, so when, so when we talk about the fellowship of his suffering, we're talking about the fellowship of his suffering. What was his suffering? It was rejection. It was misunderstanding. It was persecution. It was trusting God's will when he wanted his will. That's the suffering of Christ. Here's my point. When you really know Jesus, you, you will enter into the fellowship of his suffering. There will be a misunderstanding from those closest to you. There will be persecution. You're going to go to church on Sunday? Like, you always go to church. Why are you always at church? Can't you just skip church? You're on vacation. Why are you posting a picture of the church you watch? Why are you watching church? You tithe. You tithe. 10%. What do they do with all that money? What are you doing with all that money? What are they doing with all that money? The church just wants your money. Go to the day club today. Go to the encore today. No, please go. And spend $700 on a bottle of tequila and tell me that all I want is your money. <laughs> go to the movie today and spend $20 on popcorn and tell me all I want is your money. I want your money. We went to a steakhouse the other day. It was $80 for us. $80 for a steak. I was like, Goldie, you get a slice, Shannon, you get a slice, I get a slice, and we're saving the rest. We used to save the bone for the dog. Now I'm like, no, I'm going to eat the bone. I'm going to physically digest it because it's $80. What happened? Don't tell me. Do you understand this? You have to, you have to be misunderstood if you're really going to know Christ. You're serving like you're serving on a Sunday? Like you're, do they pay you? Do they? No, just, you like just hold kids and just like, yeah, you're just investing in the next generation. Just, oh, just, oh. And see, most Americans will never experience resurrection power because they're not willing to enter into a suffering. So, so they leave the faith after a few years and go, oh, I never really experienced God and I never really felt God and I never really heard God and I just think it was all emotion. I just think that preacher was moving. No, no, you just didn't experience resurrection power because you weren't willing. Like, do you know how many people are in this room right now that are unwilling to be water baptized? Because it's going to mess up your hair or because someone's going to call you a fanatic or because... I hope you understand. I don't care. <laughs> Calm down, Jabin. It's the week after Easter. My point is, we want resurrection. We don't want a cross. So we pray for resurrection without crosses, and we wonder why there's no resurrection. So Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to count the cost. But never forget this, because we're, we're not a doom and gloom church. Suffering with Christ always leads to resurrection power. Always. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, 
anything you give up for my kingdom, anything you give up. So there is a giving up, but anything you give up, I will give back to you 100 fold. So there's always blessing in obedience, but there is an initial give up that hurts in my present, but pays dividends in my future. But the devil will try to get us to count the, the cost of right now because the immediacy of obedience is not usually blessing. The, imme- the immediacy of, of obedience is usually persecution and misunderstanding. It's delayed gratification. It's, it's the exact opposite of, of our culture. So our, our culture is you can have it, you can have it right now, and if you can't afford it, don't worry, just get a credit card. And the kingdom is to be wise and to be patient. Yeah, so do you, do you feel the tension? There's, there is a tension. I promise you there's a tension. But, but I just want to say this, that the enemy will try to get you to see the cost of following Christ. And he'll try to convince you there's no cost in doing it his way. So this is what happened to the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 11. They said, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. For free. Another translation says, we used to eat it at no cost. No cost? 400 years of slavery, 400 years of abuse, 400 years of family separation, 400 years of humiliation, 400 years of sexual abuse, 400 years of, of day and night work for free. We used to have cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlics. We, we had all this stuff. It was so good and it was all for free. It was like an endless buffet. And if you're not careful, the devil will tell you that there was no cost for doing things your way before you gave your life to Christ. Oh, you don't believe me, but our, our, our current sexual culture is built on, quote, free love. It's been incredibly costly. I won't go there on a Sunday morning, but it's been incredibly costly. So, so let me just say, nothing is free. You have to count the cost. There is a cost to following Christ, misunderstanding and persecution, but there is a cost to doing things your own way and doing things like the world. And it is far greater, and it offers no resurrection power. But there's always a cost. You just have to choose your cost today, friend. The cost of success and the cost of laziness. Both have a cost. Both have a cost. The cost of living on a budget and the cost of living in debt. They both have a cost. The cost of living the dream and the cost of living in regret. They both have a cost. The cost of being a bold risk taker and the cost of living in fear. They both have a cost. The cost of submission and the cost of rebellion, they both have a cost. Ooh, I'm preaching y'all quiet this morning. You're like, I'm really dreaming about those bottomless mimosas right now, Pastor. The cost of getting up early and the cost of living your whole life in a frenzy. I promise you those 30 minutes aren't worth it. The cost of staying married and the cost of divorce, they both have a cost. I'm not saying there's never a reason to get divorced. There there are obvious reasons for divorce. But I am saying that every marriage will have to count the cost. Every marriage will go through tough seasons. Every marriage will go through some seasons where they have to count the cost and go, I'm willing to pay the price to make this work. Overpaying the price for separation. 
The cost of purity and the cost of lust. The cost of being generous and the cost of greedy. Like, I know that tithing costs you something. 10%. But I know that the cost of you living in greed and in fear of money will cost you so much more. That's why I boldly get up every Sunday and I bang this same drum of generosity because I know what it will cost you if you live greedy. The cost of servanthood or the cost of selfishness? Yeah, they both have a cost. The cost of pride and the cost of humility? They both have a cost. You have to choose your cost. But the cost of doing things God's way is so worth it. Because if they would have trusted God in the wilderness, there was a promised land waiting for them. It was a promised land where the land flowed with milk and honey. It was a promised land where God said, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig and vineyards you didn't plant. So I'm going to bless you if you'll trust me in the wilderness, if you'll trust me through the persecution, if you'll trust me through the misunderstanding. Because see, y'all look at me and you roll your eyes and go, yeah, it's easy, you're a preacher and this has all been really easy. No, it hasn't. I've been misunderstood. I've been persecuted. I've been lied on. People have tried to stop out my ministry. People have tried to try to talk people out of this church. People try to talk people out of inviting me to preach at their churches. I've had all kinds of crazy stuff. So many misunderstandings following Jesus. Jesus and doing what God's called me to do. I posted a clip yesterday of, it was our five, it's been five years since we received and went public with, with that we were moving to Vegas five years ago. And we see that and you see all the likes and all the hearts and all the, oh, so cute. No, it's so good. Oh, it's so powerful. You didn't see what was happening behind the scenes. But I had to count the cost. So now I'm living in resurrection power. And it was so worth it to trust God in the wilderness so that I can experience the promised land. And if you won't quit in the suffering, there is always a resurrection on the other side of whatever cross you have to bear. Don't you dare give up here. Knowing Christ, it, it leads to resurrection power. But most of us do not suffer for God. Most of us don't experience the resurrection power of God because we know about God. We don't really know God. Oh, but there is a greater way. There is a better. Paul says, I wanted to know him. I want to know Christ. Number two, since it sounds like a funeral in here, we need to brighten it up. It's good. Quiet, quiet is good. But I'm done with quiet. Let's go to number two. Your past is not the end. Oh, your past. You're like, oh, thank God. I knew this was going to get better. You're looking at over at your friend. I told you he was good. I promise it's going to get good. Your past is not the end. Your past is not the end. Paul says this, forgetting what lies behind me. Oof. Paul says, I have to forget. My that, that means that forgetting is a spiritual discipline. It does not mean that it leaves your memory. It means that it leaves your heart. Did y'all hear me? It doesn't leave your memory. You, you, you never forget totally, but you forget to the point that it no longer dictates every decision. 
forgetting what lies behind. See, some of you, it might be past shame. Others of you, it might be past success. Both limit us from what God has in our future because we can get stuck in a season and the devil says that is what it will always, because of your mistake, that's what life will always be or it was really good and it will never get better and we get stuck in a past season never entering in. And Paul says, I have to forget. I have to make the decision to lean into my future. Listen, learn from your past, but don't be mastered by your past. Our past can teach us, but our past is not our prophecy. Your past is not your prophecy. Good or bad, don't be limited by it. Blessing or pain, don't be limited by it. Great season or terrible season, don't be limited by it. Because if you're not careful, you will let one moment prophesy your whole future. And you say, I guess this is what it will always be because it's what it's always been. No, friend, your past is not your prophecy. Your, your past is not your final chapter. There are better days in front of you. Amen. We recently cleaned out our pantry um, and... It was wild. It was just, it was a scene, man. It was just, it was wild. And um, we had bought all this COVID food when COVID first. Anybody? No, no, y'all ain't going to admit panic buying, but we bought soup and beans and tuna and chicken and sardines and oysters. I don't know. We bought any, anything that we could get in a can, we bought. And then we forgot about it. Thank you, Jesus. Just like you. I know you're all judging me, but you did the same thing. And so, so we, we bought all this stuff. And now over two years later, we're cleaning out the pantry. We have all this food that is now expired. <laughs> well, it says best buy, but, you know, eh, you could probably, eh, no. no. <laughs> I'm not eating tuna even one day past. Okay, yeah, and it's two years old. But anyway, so, so we're throwing away all this food. And it got me thinking because it's, it's all this food that would have been good for us. In its season was good for us. In its season brought nourishment. In its season brought health, but now would bring sickness. Because you, you have to know the expiration date of your own past. How do I know, how do I know the expiration date is past? Because it's past. If it's in your past, it's past. So stop eating from something in your past. Because it's making your soul sick. And, and it, it's, it was kind of emotionally painful and a little embarrassing to throw away all this food. Because you kind of felt like a waste and we kind of felt like bad stewards. And, but, I, but I'm not going to get sick over it. And sometimes we can actually be embarrassed by forgetting our past because we kind of feel shame. And we kind of feel like, okay, I got to move on. But you got to throw it in the trash. Because keeping it does not make you better and keeping it does not make you healthier keeping it will actually make you sick so the food was good but is no longer good and in the same way your past may have been good and may have taught you some things but it cannot become the prediction for everything in your life my past is a teacher not a master my past is an instructor but it isn't my lord so in Isaiah chapter 43, God says, you have to forget the former things. Don't dwell. Don't, don't live in. Literally dwell. Don't, li don't build a house in the past. 
Don't live there. Now, now the former things that Isaiah is talking about are all good things. God just went through in the first 17 verses of Isaiah 43, all the ways he delivered them, all the ways he set them free, all the great things he did. And then he goes, okay, but don't live there. Because if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in a past victory. And you'll have no strength for today because you'll keep talking about the good old days. Like, you know, the devil's robbed you of hope. If you only get a gleam in your eye, if you only get a skip in your step, if you only get a bounce in your voice when you talk about the past. Oh, man, it was so good, man. It was just like so, oh, man, it was. Yeah, okay, and I guess in the future, I'm just, the devil stole from you. I was, I was driving here this morning, this morning, worship music playing. I'm praying, I'm praising, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm having a great time. And I look up at a, at a gas station, I saw the gas prices. And just this little thought hit me. And it was like, man, just like two years ago, that was like two bucks. <laughs> just looking at it. I'm at a red light. Just. <laughs> I got so in the flesh. All I wanted to do was get on my phone and just, I, can't, I just wanted to tweet. I just want to start tweeting. Six in the morning. Just. <laughs> and God's like, yo, bro, don't get stuck there. Because your tweet will not change. If I send the angry tweet, I can't believe it. Look up and it, it drops. Hey, it worked. It won't work. So, and if I'm not careful, I'll emotionally attach to former things. And I'll lose my peace and my joy. And Paul says, I have to forget. I can't erase it from my memory, but I can unpluck it. I can uproot it from my heart. And so can you. So, and this is, this is an ongoing, I've been serving God 24 years now. Every once in a while, just like this morning, I got to just remove the past to embrace my present. Thirdly, thirdly, let me have the keys come. Your future is bright. Your future is bright. Listen to me. Your future is bright. And we're so cautious because of the last two years to even say amen to this. So I said it three times and I didn't get one amen. I counted. Yeah, but what's going to happen with, but what about, but, I, but, but, but. And we'll lose our excitement for the future. So here's what Paul does in prison. Here's what Paul does under house arrest. Here's what Paul does bound in chains. I'm pressing on. Ooh, I'm leaning in. I'm, I'm straining towards. I'm excited about where God's about to take my life. And you would look at Paul. We would look at Paul and go, Paul, you're in jail. What could you do in jail? Jabin, don't tell me to be excited. We got wars going on in Europe. We got COVID. We got gas. We got this. We got economy. We got that. Don't tell me to be excited. All, all I see on the news is bad news. Don't tell me to be excited. But I can tell you by the authority of God's word that Paul is in prison going, I'm leaning in. Better days are in front of me. God's working. God's moving. I don't see it yet. But I know it's on the horizon. Come on. We're a people of hope. We're a people of resurrection power. We're a people of future. We're a people of destiny. We're a people of tomorrow. So Paul would go on to write the book of Philemon. 
The book of 2 Thessalonians, the book of Colossians, Ephesians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and most likely Hebrews. This moment did not steal his future. And this moment will not steal our future. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, they found that the decade of your life where you are most productive, y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? The decade of your life where you are most productive is between 60 and 70 years old. Turn up, sis. I'm not going to ask your age, but the second most productive decade, 70 to 80. The third, 50 to 60. Here, here's, why, here's why that's shocking to you. Because in your 20s and 30s, you think you're being productive. No, you're just active. You're just busy. You're just tired. You're doing weird projects and you're on Instagram and you're watching your kids play video games and you're tired and you're living in a fog because you, you got toddlers running around and, you're, and you think you're being productive. You're actually just active. The majority of, the, of pastors who pastor the largest churches in the world are all over 60. The average age of a Nobel Peace uh, Prize winner is 62. Jamie, why are you talking about this? Because I want you to know your future is bright. Your future is better. Your, 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 God has a plan for your future. Now, now, your activity right now matters. So if you're lazy 20, don't think like you're 60. You're just going to be like, hey, it's all good. No, no, you got to work. But my point is your years of most productivity are still in front of you. Paul's years of most productivity were still in front of him. He didn't let what was happening steal his lean into the future. So how do I ensure the future I want? How do I, how do I get excited about my future the way that Paul was excited about his future? Here, here's just one little thought and I gotta end. Exodus 23, 30. Little by little. Little victories, little steps, little moves. I don't pray a lot, pray little by little. I can't read the Bible for more than a couple of minutes, little by little. I mean, I feel like my, my wife and I are drifting apart, little by little. I feel like I'm not connecting with my kids, and I'm, little by little. God says, what I'm going to do in your life will be little by little. It will be slower than you think. And watch what happens until you increase enough. Please catch this. You grow into your purpose. You grow into your destiny. You grow into your future. You don't just obtain your future. You grow into it. And if you never get big enough, you never step into it. Because there is a size you must be to possess it. And this, is, this isn't discouraging. I know you like got quiet. It, that's not discouraging. It's awesome because it means you can grow. Yes. It means you can increase. It means even if you don't like the life you have now, you can grow into the life you want. Very good. But the life you want will require growth. It will require a lean in. It will require pressing in. It will require a patient press 
into my future. Watch this. A patient press. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to rush. But my lean, I'm not leaning into my past. I'm leaning into my future. And little by little, I step into it. And Jesus is always in your future. Never miss this. He's always in your future calling you into your future. Into better. Into his best. I want to pray for you right now. There's people in the room. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never trusted him for the forgiveness of your sin. Let me pray for you. Let me give you that opportunity right now to place your faith in him. I think there's people in the room right now going, Jabin, I want to know him. I want to know him. And if people misunderstand me, I want to know him. And if people reject me, I want to know him. And if I get persecuted, I want to know him. Because I want to know him in every area. And I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want every person in the room, pray this prayer with me. Pray with me now. From your heart, God will hear your prayer. Say, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. And I want to know you. So I give you my life. I trust you. And I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. Can you say amen, everybody? Can we give God all the praise for his word today? Oh, come on, let's give him glory. We're, we're moving into our future. And it's bright and it's good. Amen.